Go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, that's where we're going to be in God's Word this morning. Uh, that's one of my, one of my run songs. I, I go running a lot, and uh, I love when Shekinah glory hits my ears, when it hits my playlist, and um, I begin to look around me at, at all that God has created, and I see His glory demonstrated uh, through His creation, and I can't help but praise God when I when I see the beauty of His creation, and uh, it leads me to ask you a question: Have you ever, have you ever been somewhere, or, or have you ever seen something with your own eyes, and you just have to stop and pinch yourself and say, "Am I really here? Like, am I really seeing this?" I, I've been there several times. Uh, many of you know that uh, my daddy was a Dodgers fan, and I'm a Dodgers fan. I remember. I'm telling you, I remember. That day when my daddy came home and he told mom and he told my brothers, hey, I'm taking y'all to see the Dodgers play. And uh, I was jumping up and down and I remember going to the stadium and I remember walking in and seeing the Dodgers warm up. I mean, I was just a kid, but it was like my dreams had come true. I got to see the Dodgers, like in person, not on TV, but in person, play ball. And I remember that. Like today, that is engraved in my mind and and, and, and even in my, in my spirit, I thank God for those beautiful moments, right, that, that we get to have in this life. Really, we can look back on and say, wow. Uh, I'll tell you something. Um, in August, Marty and I will be celebrating our 30th anniversary, Lord willing. And, uh, and thank you, thank you. But I remember in that building right over there, this building was not here. As a matter of fact, my car was parked probably somewhere over in this section where y'all are sitting. Um, I remember on August 14th, 1992, sitting right out there in my car that early afternoon, um, waiting to get into that building so I could put my tuxedo on and get married. And and I remember how I felt, and I was excited, I was nervous, I I was scared, (laughs) all of those things. But I remember at 6 o'clock, when I was standing down front and Brother Mickey Hawkins was standing up there by me and my brother John was on one side of me and all my guys, I remember when those back doors opened. Yeah, I remember when I saw Marty in that dress. Um, that was one of those all shook up moments for me. Like I lost it. I mean, I was in tears. Um, it was one of those wow moments. And over the past several years, I've been able to stand... Um, with husbands and, and wives, I've been able to stand in those places and see the faces of those young men when those ladies are coming toward them in their wedding dress. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful moment. It's those wow moments. Now, now I want you to think about some of those wow moments you've experienced, some of those moments when you were just shook to your core, but in a good way. And I'm not trying to compare those moments to what we're going to see in Scripture today. I'm actually just trying to get you to understand what we're about to see in the Scripture. But what we're about to see in Mark chapter 9 is probably the greatest wow moment that has ever happened on this earth. And it happened with Peter, James, and John when they saw Jesus transformed. The transfiguration. In the Greek language, the word transfigure is a word called metamorpho, and it means to be transformed visibly. 
And so what we see in Mark chapter 9 is that God demonstrates His glory, His awesome glory through the transfiguration, the transformation, if you will, of His Son. As a matter of fact, God's glory was on full display, complete display through His Son, Jesus Christ, on that mountain for Peter, James, and John as witnesses. I wish I could have been there that day to see what God was doing. Um, But I'm going to tell you something. What Peter, James, and John saw on that mountain, I believe we are going to see it one day. Because Jesus is going to come again in that glory that He showed these men on that mountain. I want you to look at this with me in Mark chapter 9. Now, I want to start with verse 1. Before we get too far into this, I want to start with verse 1 because it's important. Mark chapter 9 verse 1 says, And he said to them, Truly I tell you, some of you who are standing here today will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. I love this verse. Verse 1 is an introduction, if you will, to what Jesus is about to do with three of his disciples. A lot has happened up to this point. Uh, in the lives of the disciples. They've been walking with Jesus. Uh, Peter has even proclaimed, we saw this earlier in Mark, Peter has proclaimed that Jesus is in fact the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the living God, God in flesh. Jesus has pointed His disciples to suffering. He has pointed His disciples to rejection and death and even His resurrection. Jesus has taught His disciples uh, what it means to be a Christ follower, what it means to serve in the kingdom of God. It is about self-denial and it is about sacrificial living, sacrificial service. And now what we see in Mark chapter 9 verse 1 is Jesus is making a promise to His disciples. As a matter of fact, this is a promise that points to the transfiguration. Some, in fact, these three... Peter, James, and John, uh, they will walk with Jesus up that mountain and they will see glory like they have never seen before, like no one has ever seen. In the Bible, I love this, mountains, when you see Jesus on the mountains and when you see Jesus taking His disciples up on the mountains, mountains actually are places of revelation. If you look at that in the Bible, from the Old Testament even into the New Testament, On the mountain is when God makes special revelation. And I believe that's what's going to happen. What a revelation that is going to take place on this mountain. See, this is a preview of God's kingdom power. He's going to give Peter, James, and John a glimpse of glory and power like no one has ever seen. Jesus told them of that suffering that he had to, had to endure. He told them about the rejection that was taking place. He told them about his death, even though they didn't completely understand it. He's even told them about the resurrection. As a matter of fact, God's resurrection power has already been demonstrated through the life and the work of Jesus Christ. But now they will see Jesus in that great resurrection power. And it's incredible. So... This is the wow moment, right, in the Bible. This is the wow moment, Mark chapter 9, right here, the transfiguration. Look at it with me. Verse 2, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain 
where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Well, what an incredible passage of Scripture. Let me tell you about the transfiguration. Here's what the transfiguration is. In the transfiguration, Jesus' divinity is bursting forth from his humanity. We know this already in Scripture. Mark has said this. We see it in every gospel. Jesus is both completely human and completely divine. Peter, James, and John, they've walked with Jesus physically. They've listened to the the voice of God through Jesus Christ. They have watched Him with their eyes. They've even been a part of and performed miracles with Jesus. But they had not seen Jesus in this way, transformed in the complete and full glory of God. As we see in this passage of Scripture, Mark focuses on the white clothes that Jesus is wearing. That's what his focus is on. And he says it's like a white that no human hand could ever create or make. It's a pure white that has never been seen before. That is Jesus. When you look at the transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17, Matthew actually focuses on Jesus' face. He says that Jesus' face was shining like the sun and a white light blazed from him. Luke, when he tells the transfiguration story in Luke chapter 9, he says that his face was changed and that his clothes were like flashes of lightning. And then John, in the book of Revelation, John says he saw someone like the Son of Man with hair as white as snow. And he said that his eyes were blazing like fire, whose face was shining in all its brilliance. Let me tell you what this is. This is the glory of God. This is the fullness of God displayed in the humanity of Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ. He is God in flesh. He is fully human, but he is fully divine. Paul even tries to to see Jesus and tries to describe what Jesus is to the churches. And listen to this. He says in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He goes on in chapter 1 of Colossians verse 19 and says this, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And in Colossians chapter 2 verse 9, Paul says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Listen to me. I may not completely understand it, but I completely believe it that Jesus Christ was fully man and fully God at the same time. I believe it. It's hard for me to comprehend it with my little mind. But my heart accepts the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God, and all the fullness of God, glory, power, grace, and love dwells in Him. And that's what this transfiguration is all about. Not only do we see Jesus transfigured, we also see Moses and Elijah. 
And in Moses and Elijah, what we see is we see the law and the prophets bearing witness to the gospel. These three disciples were Jews. They recognized Moses as the law. They recognized Elijah as the prophet. And in that moment, what they were beholding with their eyes, what they were being a part of, was they were a part of the greater Moses. Jesus Christ, who is going to bring a greater exodus than they ever read about. A greater exodus, a greater salvation. And it wouldn't just be for the Jews, it would be for all people. And so in that moment, what they were seeing with their eyes, what they were experiencing in their hearts and in their lives was the fulfillment, right, of all the law and all the prophecy. Elijah was one of the most honored of all prophets, and his words were more quoted. Do you understand this? He was quoted more in the Gospels than any other Old Testament prophet. That's who Elijah was. He was the prophet of prophets. Moses was the one who represented the law. I love this because Luke tells us in chapter 9 of his Gospel that Moses and Elijah were speaking to Jesus on this mountain about his departure. So so when you look at the transfiguration and what was taking place, Moses and Elijah were there with Jesus, transfigured, and they were speaking to him about his death that would take place at Jerusalem. They were speaking to him about his resurrection from the grave. I'm telling you, man, I wish I could have just been a fly listening to what was being said and seeing what was going on. What what an incredible moment. This is the Old Testament, the Old Covenant of law and prophecy meeting full head of steam with the Gospel, the New Testament, the New Covenant that is the grace of God that is found only in Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you, if you can't get wowed by this, then you can't get wowed. Because God's glory is on full display. How did it impact Peter, James, and John? I mean, what were they thinking? What were they going through emotionally and spiritually and even physically? I I remember I was telling you about that time when I was standing up there and, and Brother Mickey was standing right here and I'm looking at Marty. I just remember not feeling anything in my body. I didn't know if it was shaken or frozen or what. Uh, I I went back and watched the old VCR tape. Some of you are going, what what is a VCR? Those of you old enough know what I'm talking about. But I remember going back and watching that VCR tape, and I was shaking in my bones. Like, I just could not be still. I mean, my hands were shaking. I was rattled. I wonder what these men, what these men were going through. Well, we we get a glimpse. Mark shows us a glimpse of what they were thinking. Look at this in verse 5. Peter said to Jesus, now remember, Jesus is transformed. He's looking at Jesus like he's never looked at Jesus before. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. You think? It is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Look at verse 6. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them. 
We just sang a song called Shekinah Glory. You know what the Shekinah Glory is? It is the dwelling of God. It is the presence of God Almighty. In Exodus, it was demonstrated through a cloud. So look at this, verse 7. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. And suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. I don't know about you, but I've read this passage of Scripture, and I've read the Gospels, and there's this thing called the inner circle, right, when it comes to the disciples, and it's usually mentioned with three names. You know what those three names are? We mentioned them this morning, Peter, James, and John. Have you ever asked why? Have you ever asked why? Why Peter? Why James? Why John? I was listening to one of my, one of my favorite preachers, Joby Martin, preach a sermon, and he said, you've got to remember who Peter, James, and John are. Remember, Peter is the one who always speaks out loud. And usually he's the one who speaks first, right? He, he's one that most people would say doesn't lack a confidence, right? He doesn't have a confidence problem. He, he usually speaks up and speaks loud. If you remember who James and John are, Pastor Joby Martin said, don't forget, James and John were the one who were with their mama and asked Jesus, right, if they could sit where? On his left and his right. Think about this for a moment. Do you think maybe, just maybe, and this is, listen, this is just my opinion, this is just me listening to a sermon, do you ever think maybe that Jesus really had to, really had to crack Peter open and get real deep with him sometimes? And maybe James and John as well? We call John the what? The beloved disciple. Do you know where that's found? Anybody know where that's found? That, that term, the beloved disciple? It's found in his gospel. Right? I love what Joby Martin said. He said, you should not be able to give yourself your own nickname. Now, it doesn't change the fact that he was a beloved disciple. It doesn't change that. But I wonder why Peter, James, and John. But, but here's the thing. If he can do that, for Peter, James, and John, who sometimes got caught up, right, in glory, who sometimes got caught up in confidence, who sometimes got caught up with being first, he can do that for anybody. In excitement and fear, what did Peter do? He spoke. <laughs> he spoke when he probably should have been silent. He should have been listening I'm not going to cast stones here. I'm not going to sling judgment because I've been in those moments when the Spirit is moving and I just felt like I ought to add to it. You ever been there? Right? The Spirit's moving and, man, I ought to just say something. Man, I ought to just do something. Peter is seeing Jesus like he's never seen him before and then heroes, right? Heroes of his faith appear. Moses and Elijah. And he is just caught up and says, man, it's good to be here. Let me do something for y'all. Let me build you a shelter. Now, now you might be wondering, what does that matter? What does that mean? Peter didn't want to go nowhere else. He wanted to stay up on that mountain. And he wanted to stay with Jesus. That's a good thing. He wanted to stay up there and, and see Moses and Elijah. And he, I'm sure he wanted to hear what they were saying. 
I believe Peter, when he spoke, it came from a pure heart. I believe it came with good intent. However, this wasn't about what Peter and even James and John could do for God. This is what God was doing for them through Jesus. Another, another pastor that I love to, to listen to, another preacher that I love to read is Paul David Tripp. Listen to what Paul David Tripp said in his morning devotional, New Morning Mercies. He said, in order to rescue these disciples from the bondage of their own glory and their bondage to their, the glory and the shadows of the created world, it was necessary for Jesus to reveal the greater glory, the transcendent glory. They were being rescued from earthly glory by heavenly glory so that they could take this glory to the world and to whoever would listen. You you see, at the center of all creation is God. And at the center of all creation is God's glory. And it is wrapped with His power. It is wrapped with His love. It is wrapped with His grace. It is wrapped with His mercy. And it is displayed in and through Jesus Christ. You know how many times the disciples said, if we could just see God, if we could just see the Father, and what did Jesus tell them? When you see me, you see the Father. When you hear me, you hear the Father. Jesus is the complete, the fullness of everlasting Almighty God in bodily form. God the Father stops Peter from talking, right? Peter says, oh, it's good to be here. Let me do this for you. And the Bible says a cloud comes over them, covers them, right? It's almost as if, Peter, hey, why don't you be quiet? Listen. And what does God do? God the Father exclaims His love for His Son. And He commands obedience from His followers, specifically these three, Peter, James, and John, who hear His voice. See, a cloud in the Bible, cloud many times in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, it represents the divine presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God. And just as the Father loved Jesus and was pleased with Jesus at His baptism, go back and look at Mark chapter 1, we see that the Father continues to voice His love for the Son, His pleasure in the Son, and He makes sure that Peter, James, and John keep their focus on Jesus and listen with hearts that are surrendered in obedience to Jesus. Because after He speaks, who's left on the mountain? Jesus, Peter, James, and John. Who did Peter want to build shelters for? Jesus and who else? Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah are gone. What they've done has been accomplished, and it's been accomplished in who? Jesus. And God makes sure that Peter and James and John see Jesus, nothing else and no one else. The law can't save you. Prophecy can't save you. Only Jesus can save you from your sin. The law and the prophecy point to 
testify to, bear witness to the gospel who is Jesus Christ. And that's what's happening on this mountain. And so God says, I love you, Jesus. And he says to Peter, James, and John, listen to him. And this is not just listen with ears. This is listen with the intent to obey with your heart, with your life. Peter, I believe, and James and and John, I believe they were so fearful that maybe they thought they were going to die. They had read the Old Testament Scriptures. They knew what happened, right? When, when, when people got to see God, what, what, what did it say? They couldn't handle it. <laughs> they, they would die. Remember when Moses came down off that mountain? What happened with Moses' physical appearance? He was glowing. Right? He had been with Shekinah glory. There was no way he could be the same. And when he came down off that mountain, the people were scared, right? As a matter of fact, Moses had to cover himself. And he went in his tent. And and the people were afraid. I believe Peter, James, and John were afraid. They have seen Jesus in all of His glory, in all of His splendor, in all of His power. And they had heard the voice of God to Jesus and through Jesus. But watch this. God's not done with them. Verse 9. As they were coming down from the mountain. Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Now, I want to stop right there at verse 9. How hard do you think that would be? Huh? Like like when something incredible happens, like to you, when you see something or you're a part of something that is wow. Like, how do you look at people with a straight face and not tell them what just happened? How, How do you do that? Without grinning. Without going, I got to take, nah. <laughs> hey, let me just tell you. Well, no. It says, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And verse 10 says, they kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Let me ask you a question. Did the disciples have it all together? No, they didn't have it all together. Did did they understand completely at all times everything Jesus said and did? No, they struggled. They, They struggled and they needed Jesus to talk to them and lead them and guide them and And watch what happens. Why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? So Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come. And they have done to him everything they wished, just as it was written about him. See, what you've got to remember is that there are Jews today that still believe in this prophecy. There are Jews today who do not proclaim Jesus Christ as Messiah and Lord. You want to know why? Because they're still waiting on the Elijah to come. Yeah, that's truth. 
And so Jesus is God in flesh. The transfiguration points to the truth, displays the truth. And so Jesus, he begins with this command for silence. The command for silence is not just about God's plan, it's also about God's timing. How many times have the people wanted to lift Jesus up as king and wanted him to do what? Overthrow Rome. And Jesus retreats. Because he knows that's not what he came to do. What Jesus came to do was seek and save that which was lost. He didn't come to overthrow Rome or anyone else in this life and ministry. He came to seek and save that which is lost. And so there will be a time for these disciples to share what they have seen, this transfiguration, but it will be after the resurrection of Jesus Christ who must suffer and die. The disciples didn't completely understand rising from the dead. They're, they're looking at each other going, wait a minute. I mean, he's Messiah. How can he, how can he die? How can he let that happen? He, he's king. And so they're asking these questions as it pertain to Jesus. But again, it wasn't their plan, right? It was God's plan. And it wasn't their time. It was God's time. And so we get this mention of Elijah. Well, what does this mean? We just talked about Elijah and Moses during the transfiguration. Now we get this mention of Elijah again. This mention of Elijah in this passage is a reference to John the Baptist. You're going, Brother Jeff, what are you talking about? Well, in the Old Testament book of Malachi... Chapters 3 and chapters 4, we read that Elijah would come and declare and prepare the way for the Lord. And in Matthew chapter 11 and in Matthew chapter 17, Matthew chapter 17 is the parallel story of the transfiguration. Jesus makes it very clear to his disciples. Prophecy has been fulfilled and prophecy is still being fulfilled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they rejected the message of John the Baptist and they handed him over to Herod and he was killed. Look at the prophecy in Malachi and look at what Jesus says in chapters 11 and 17. This reference of Elijah is John the Baptist. And what Jesus said What has happened to him has happened because of prophecy. And just as they rejected John the Baptist, and just as they killed John the Baptist, they are rejecting Jesus, and Jesus Christ will be killed on the cross. God's glory. Peter, James, and John were were caught up in it. It was a powerful powerful experience and they didn't quite get it they didn't quite understand it but but let me tell you this what they knew that day they would one day be able to proclaim and that is the glory of God the glory of God is on full display in and through the life the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ If you want to see the glory of God, look to Jesus. If you want to see the complete, the full glory of God, look to nothing else and no one else but Jesus. God's glory is wrapped around His love, His unlimited, 
His unending love. His amazing grace. His awesome mercy for you and for me. The transfiguration is just another step toward the cross. It is another step towards the shedding of blood that can and will save His people. That's what the transfiguration is. I mentioned to you that I was listening to a sermon by Pastor Joby Martin and at the time he was preaching a sermon and it wasn't just about the transfiguration, it was also about Romans chapter 3. And it was talking about how we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But then he says, God did something though, didn't he? God did something about our sin. See, while we were sinners, Christ what? Died for us. He shed his blood for us. Listen to what Pastor Joby Martin said. He said, if Jesus is the propitiation for our sin, if Jesus' blood is the final payment, the full payment for our sin that satisfies God, then God will not be satisfied in you while Christ Jesus is in you. Your sin no longer defines you. Your mistakes no longer define you. Your addictions no longer define you. Your depression no longer defines you. Your world no longer defines you because only Jesus gets to define you because He paid for you. And that is the glory of God wrapped in His grace His mercy and His love. Let me tell you something. If you have been searching, if you have been reaching and grabbing for anything and everything that this world has to fulfill you, it will never happen. You must see Jesus and you must surrender to Jesus and embrace Jesus and you will be fulfilled. You will be fulfilled. Why? Because you were created by God For God. You are created in His image. He breathed the breath of life into your body, and there's nothing else that can satisfy you but Him, and He has done that through Jesus Christ. And I believe that's why the transfiguration is so important. Listen, I believe what God's glory is, God's glory to you and me, it is a call. And it is an opportunity for us to believe in Jesus. Believe in His perfect life. Believe in His sacrificial death. Believe in His powerful resurrection for salvation. I'm so glad today that salvation is not up to me. It doesn't depend on me. I'm going to tell you something. It depends on God and God has come through. And I can either receive it or reject it. But salvation ain't up to me. God is the one who saves. And I can either believe or not. I can either receive or reject. And I'm going to tell you something today. I have received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He tells me who I am. Not you and not nobody else. My sins don't define me. My faults and my failures... My shortcomings, none of that defines me. The blood of Jesus Christ has rescued me from that forever and ever. And I thank God that the glory of God through Jesus Christ now dwells in me, His child. I can cry out, Abba, Father, and He knows me by name. And He responds to me. 
That's my God. And that's my God found in the life of Jesus Christ. He is fully man and fully God. And what Peter, James, and John saw on that mountain, most theologians believe it was Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. They believe that. I'm going to tell you something. I don't care what mountain it was. One day I'm going to see the glory that Peter, James, and John saw. And I'm either going to see it while I'm alive because Jesus is going to part those skies and come and He's going to call His church, which is me and you if you are in Christ. I'm going to see the glory that Peter, James, and John saw on that mountain, whatever mountain it was. And if I die, I'm going to rise again. You want to know why? Because that's a promise from God's Word. I'm going to rise again. And guess what I'm going to see? I'm going to see the glory of God in Jesus Christ. I'm going to see Jesus the way John described Jesus in Revelation. Blazing face. White. Like no other white we've ever seen in this life. Why? Because Jesus loves me. And you can too. You want to know why? Because Jesus loves you. The glory of God. Complete, full, found in the person of Jesus Christ. My question is, have you received or have you rejected? Have you believed in the one who is called Jesus Christ, who is Jesus Christ? It's the only decision can and will change your eternity.